Good morning. Welcome. and Thank you so much for letting us come into your home today. Listen, no matter where you're watching from, if you're watching for the very first time uh, or you've been this a hundred times, would you please let us know by filling out your online connection card? And if you're one of our regulars, it's so important that you do that. Help keep us updated through this time. Hey, happy Memorial Day weekend, you know. This is weird, right? This is not the way that Indianapolis celebrates Memorial Day weekend. It's not the way it's supposed to be. But we're going to make the best of it until we can be together again, which is going to be real soon. Let me tell you about our reopening. We're planning on reopening on June 7th, two weeks from today. We're going to mail you a physical letter, several pages of information on Tuesday of this week is when it goes out with all the details of our plan to reopen on June 7th. That information is also going to be on our website, but here are the five most important things from that letter that I need you to know, all right? Number one, we will have two one-hour service times at 9, not 9.15, but 9 and 11, so we have time to clean and sanitize between them beginning on June 7th. Number two, you must pre-register everyone in your house every week through at least June, maybe July. You'll need to do that on our website or call the office. Number three, If you're going to sing, the elders expect you to wear a mask. Now, that's just while we sing. Beyond that, we trust your judgment and your conscience. But while we sing, you're expected to wear a mask. Number four, no groups, no children's ministry of any kind on Sunday morning. The only meetings on Sunday in June will be corporate worship where you sit with your household, every other pew, socially distanced from others. Okay. And then number five, our groups can meet during the week beginning on June 8th. You go to our website, fill out the form that Mark created. We'll give you some space in the building. You'll just need to schedule that. We also have some staffing news. First of all, some bittersweet news. Al Michael is retiring at the end of the month after 15 years of service. We're grateful for everything Al has done in the education and discipleship areas of our ministry here. Uh, And we just congratulate Al on a job well done. Uh, Now some sad news. Our elementary uh, kids pastor, Mike Belcher, is going to be leaving our staff uh, soon. His last day is May 31st. Uh, The most important thing for you to know is that nothing scandalous has happened. Mike's integrity is 100% intact. It's just not the right time for him to be in that role. You'll get more information about that soon. And some happy news. Uh, Zach Camp, who's a huge part of the reason you're able to watch this right now, has been uh, part-time on our staff for the last few years and is transitioning into a full-time role here at Chapel Rock as the Media Engagement Director. Uh, Zach is going to continue to handle our website, uh, the live stream, our social media, and most of our graphic and promotional needs. But he's also taking on our first impressions ministry, as well as even the way the building uh, looks in in ways. And so we're excited about that. We want to congratulate Zach on his promotion. Now, one more bit of news. Uh, One more thing. We're having a watch party this coming Friday, May 29th. Chapel Rock families are invited to log on to a Zoom meeting and do a watch party of the movie Horton Hears a Who. The movie will play over Zoom, so you don't need to have a copy, all right? You just log on at 5.30. We're going to start the movie at 6. Uh, together, you can watch it. The kids can laugh. It will be fun. So go to the website under ministries slash kids uh, to get the information you need. Please be sure to check your online bulletin for uh, announcements about up- upcoming events and our sympathies uh, to Kevin O'Day, Patsy Phillips, and Beth Schmidt, uh, who've all lost loved ones recently. Thanks so much for being with us today.
I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful 100%. Horton said to a mama bird named Maisie, she was so irresponsible and also quite lazy. He didn't want to do it, though Maisie did beg. Horton meant what he said, so he stayed on the egg. Through many great trials and problems aplenty, Horton kept for days beyond count, yes, more than 320. Horton kept to his word, and so he can teach us to always be faithful to people who need us. God's word says to do that no matter the price. To be faithful is more than just being nice. So listen up, church, and prepare to take action. Open your Bible and get rid of distractions. These words from the Word will challenge your thinking. From the well of God's truth, we all will be drinking. For the last couple weeks, we've been in a sermon series uh, called The Gospel According to Horton. And we've looked at the classic Dr. Seuss book, Horton Hears a Who. Today's message actually comes from the first book to feature Horton. Horton hatches the egg, the first part of which you heard me read to my little boys just a bit ago. You know, we wanted to do this series to help engage the kids and have some fun, but also because there are some valuable lessons that we can learn from the good doctor, uh, and specifically his character, Horton. Um, We're here in the chapel today recording this because we're having a little work done in the auditorium and we're going to have a surprise for you uh, when you come back. One singular theme in both Horton Hatches the Egg and in Horton Hears a Who is Horton's faithfulness. He's faithful no matter what. And I think that we can learn something about our Lord from that. Here's the big idea this morning. Only the Lord is always faithful. But we get closer to that ideal when we put others' needs ahead of our own. See, God does this because it's who he is. We do it because we're trying to be like him, and we're not perfect in that, but it's something that we can grow in. The problem with trying to grow in something like that is that you need a concrete action plan, (laughs) If I were to say to you, you need to be more faithful, you're like, yeah, I agree. How? (laughs) Well, I think you start with a definition. Here's a concrete definition. The simplest definition of biblical faithfulness is that it is the union of love and loyalty. It is the union of love and loyalty. The way that God practices faithfulness to us is that he unites his love for us with his loyalty to us who are in a covenant relationship with him. See, biblical faithfulness is not just doing what you said you would do, though it certainly includes that. It's more than that. It's bigger and richer. It's the union of loyalty and love. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible affirms that God is faithful. So here's what I want to do. I want us to just kind of go on a tour today. We're going to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Oh, relax, not all of it. Just a few verses. 
that we're going to see the faithfulness of God. In the first passage I want to look at in Genesis 24, this is the scene where Abraham's servant is going to find a wife for Abraham's son Isaac, and he finds Rebekah. And when he does, he says this, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. This is Memorial Day weekend. So if you have a veteran there in your home or maybe uh, someone in your family who has a family member who's a veteran, would you please read Exodus 34, verse 6? I love this passage from Psalm 145, 13. It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. Look at this. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Psalms were Israel's hymn book, but they weren't the only place where musical language happened. You also see it a lot in the prophets. They wrote in poetic musical terms. We see this in Isaiah 25, verse 1. So if you have a musician in your home, would, would you please read Isaiah 25, verse 1? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, some of you watching have walked with God for a long time, and you've been tempted a lot of different ways. Uh, and so it's probably fitting to have you read uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. So have the oldest person there watching with you read 1 Corinthians 10.13. love that but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it it's part of God's faithfulness Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2 12 if we endure we will also reign with him if we disown him he will also disown us we're going to get into that in the next sermon series if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself (laughs) now John, the, the gospel writer, also wrote some letters, and John's writings are usually pretty simple. Even a kid can understand it. So I want to have one of the kids there read 1 John 1, 9. Can you read that, one of you kids? And finally, in the book of Revelation, we read in Revelation three fourteen to the angel... Of the church at Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's Jesus. From from the beginning of it to the end of it, the Bible affirms the faithfulness of God. As one scholar put it, God's faithfulness is his determined loyalty to a gracious covenant. God's faithfulness is total and absolute. Ours, however, is not. Ours is relative and compared to God's woefully inadequate. 
But we're called to imitate the 100% faithfulness of our Lord. And believe it or not, Dr. Seuss's character, Horton, can teach us something about faithfulness. Is 100% faithfulness attainable for us? If we're honest, probably not. Is that an attainable goal? Probably not. Is it a worthy one? Absolutely. And we can learn a lot of what that looks like from Horton. What's it mean to be 100% faithful? I think Horton teaches us that it means two things. Here's the first one. Number one, it means to be faithful when the cost is high. When Horton begins to sit on the egg, he does not know what will be required of him to keep his word when he promises to protect the who's that nobody else can hear, he doesn't know how much he's going to have to suffer to keep them safe. But he's faithful, and it ends up costing him. Look, we see him here, and Horton hatches the egg. He's sitting there on the tree branch. Look at this. He's sitting there through autumn, and the leaves blow away. And then comes the winter, and snow, and sleet, and he's, icicles are hanging off of him. And he sa- I said what I meant, or I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful 100%. And then we see him, and Horton hears a who. And he says, I'll find that speck. <laughs> and so he goes to clover by clover by clover, but with care. He picked up and searched them and called, Are you there? It says, by noon, more dead than alive, he had picked, searched, and piled up 9,005. He doesn't know he's going to have to do all that. But he's faithful even when the cost is high. And in that, he's a good model of what God is like. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. He says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, the NIV translation there is pretty good. Keeping implies an ongoing responsibility, though the grammar there would possibly favor a translation more like who continues to keep covenant with unwavering loyalty. The essence of God's covenantal relationship with humankind, apart from just being their creator, is one of loyalty and love. Those outside the covenant, the next verse says, verse 10 we'll talk about, are the objects of God's judgment. And he's going to be faithful to them, but it will be faithful as their judge. (laughs) The good news is there's always been a way for every human being to enter into a covenant relationship with God, even before the time of Jesus The law gave provision for Gentiles who wanted to become part of the family of Abraham. God's very nature is at least partly defined by the idea of loyalty and faithfulness. So Moses says to the Israelites, know that God is faithful. Now the word translated know there is the normal Old Testament word for knowing, but it's the knowing of personal experience. It's experiential knowledge. Moses is is trying to get across the idea that God's people experience daily his faithfulness. And here's the interesting thing. The word translated faithful there is the Old Testament word, amen. It's the root of our English word, amen. Every time you say amen, you're giving testimony to the faithfulness of God. 
God is 100% faithful. And the cost to be 100% faithful, to the cost to God to be 100% faithful, it is so much greater and, and far beyond what any of us could ever imagine. Because he put our need for redemption over his own rightly deserved glory and comfort. He knew exactly how high the cost would be. And he paid it anyway because he loves you. Faithfulness means continuing to live in the union of love and loyalty. And for those of you who've been married for a few years, you know this. Shoot, if you've been married for a few weeks, you know this. Because on your wedding day, you made vows to your spouse. You did not know on that day what it would cost you to keep those vows, to be faithful. But if you've been married for a while, you realized that being faithful means being faithful when the cost is high. Last week, I spent some time with one of the most faithful servants we have here at Chapel Rock, uh, Don Harmon. Many of you know Don. Uh, he serves lots of different ways around here. You would have seen him as one of our ushers. You probably would have seen him serving on the safety team. Um, <laughs> one of the ways you might not see him unless you drive by occasionally in the summer is that Don is pretty much make sure, along with a couple other guys, that our, our grass gets mowed. He's very faithful to do that. Um, but Don understands faithfulness and service on a level that, that not nearly as many of us do, because Don is a Marine. And on this Memorial Day weekend, uh, I thought it'd be good to let him tell us about this. Watch. Hey, hey Don. Well, where are we? What are we doing here? We're at Crown Hill Cemetery at... Sergeant John Rankles. Great. Okay. Tell, tell me the story here. Well, John, John's a United States Marine, and he uh, died in Afghanistan. Gave his life for our country. United States Marine. Clear to the end. Yeah. Semper Fi. Always faithful. You're a Marine. I am. What's that mean to you? Simplify. Simplify is a abbreviated short for Semper Fidelis. Semper Fidelis is Latin for always faithful. And the reason we're here is an example about what this weekend is for. Uh, this weekend is all about people like John and the fact that. It's always faithful. Marines, when we graduate from Marine Corps boot camp and we earn the title United States Marine, we get that tattooed on our heart. And Semper Fidelis is a way that we typically see Marines greet each other. We'll say that to each other. And it's really know more than just a saying, it's more than just a greeting. It's, uh, it's a standard that we live by. Uh, I'm a Christian, and I wear that emblem the same way that I carry Christ in my heart. Uh, I live by that standard, always faithful. I'm always faithful to my God, my country, and my core. 
we're here today because that's what John did. We're very grateful to the Rankle family for their service and sacrifice. Um, and uh, what you don't know is that John's mom is just off camera. Uh, it was a God appointment today. So we're just grateful to them. Thank you. And uh, thanks, Don. Thank you, Don. I'm so grateful for all those who have paid the ultimate cost to defend the freedoms that we are all far much more grateful for now, aren't we? Uh, hopefully on the back end of a stay-at-home order. You see, we're called to be faithful even when the cost is high, but not only that, we're also called to be faithful when others are not. In Horton Hatches the Egg, the bird Maisie has no intention of ever coming back to her nest. She's leaving that little offspring forever. She says so, look, she's off in Palm Beach. <laughs> she's having fun. Wonderful rest. You see her up there on the tree? She decided she'd never go back. In Horton, here's a who. Everyone in the jungle of Newell, apart from Horton, takes an antagonistic perspective to the who's that they cannot see or hear or taste or touch or smell or anything. Even though they, in their mind it's completely imaginary, they still are in opposition to the who's. And rather than just dismiss Horton as silly, they set out to destroy something that he loves. Horton is faithful even when everybody around him is not. And that's what the author of Hebrews is trying to get his or her audience to understand. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Look at this. It says, let us hold unswervingly. That's the only time that word appears in the whole Bible. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised, in other words, God, is faithful. We are to be unswervingly faithful because God is. Remember Deuteronomy 7, 9. He keeps covenant with unwavering loyalty. We are not to deviate from our hope in Jesus because he's the one who made the promise. I love how the New Testament scholar Leon Morris puts this. He writes, God is thoroughly to be relied upon. When he makes a promise, that promise will infallibly be kept. He has taken the initiative in making the promise and he will fulfill his purposes in making it. And that should give us hope. See, in context, hope in this verse is the hope of salvation. Our, our true hope is that because of the faithfulness of Jesus, our sins have been washed away and we're right with God. See, the faithfulness of Jesus is a huge theme in the book of Hebrews. Now, this part of this sermon is just a little appetizer for our next sermon series. When we reopen on June 7th, we're going to begin a sermon series called No Going Back. The, the people that the book of Hebrews was written to were facing a temptation to go back to Judaism. And we are at a time in our country where wherever church has, whatever church has been in the past, we can celebrate, we can be thankful for, but we have to acknowledge that what's coming in front of us is different. <laughs> and there's no going back to the way it was before. So the Hebrews takes this a very forward-looking view of our covenant with God. Now, this idea of covenant, which the Old Testament defines as uh, the union of love and loyalty, maybe a New Testament definition would be an agreement within the context of a relationship. In other words, the relationship defines the agreement, not the other way around. 
This, it's a, a huge part of the foundation of this verse. This promise that the verse talks about is our new covenant relationship with God, a covenant by grace through faith. That God will be faithful to those in that new covenant relationship with him. Now you need to understand that this verse was written to a church that had already experienced a little persecution and was probably headed for more. It's an encouragement to hold fast to him who holds fast to you. Hold fast to him who holds fast to you. And that's what I would urge you to do this morning. Even when nobody else does. That's what faithfulness looks like. Now some of you kids who have siblings have a great illustration of this, don't you? Because you might have had a brother or a sister try to get you to do something you knew was wrong. Something your parents said what to do was wrong. And they said, come on, let's go you know, pour extra water on mom's cactus or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. And you're like, no, we can't do that. Some of you kids had to make a choice between being faithful to what your parents said or going along with your brother and sister who don't want to. Church, we have to be better than the culture around us at being faithful, at expressing loving loyalty. And I will tell you, it is hard. It's hard. I had an opportunity to do that a couple weeks ago, and I blew it. And so I'm just acknowledging my own brokenness. I, if I could be so bold, we need to get better at this. Church, if we're going to rightly imitate the faithfulness of Jesus, we have to be the most faithful spouses, the most faithful workers and bosses, the most faithful citizens, the most faithful children and parents, and so on. See, here's what makes us like Jesus. The foundational driving force behind our choice to love people rather than their behavior and whether or not they're worthy of it. The thing that makes us like Jesus Church is our choice to love people regardless of what their behavior is like. That's hard. And believe it or not, Horton is a great example of that. Nobody in Horton's world is intrinsically worthy of his love and dedication. He's surrounded by jerks. And yet he keeps on loving. I meant what I said. And I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful 100%. That's always a challenge to live this way as faithfully as Horton did. That's hard. It's impossible to be as faithful as God is, though it's certainly a goal we need to pursue And as his spirit indwells us by the power of Jesus living in us, we can draw closer to that. See, biblical faithfulness is more than just doing what you said you'd do. It's the union of loyalty and love, and that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He put our needs above his own. Did you hear me today? Only the Lord is always faithful. But we get closer to that when we put others' needs ahead of our own. It's what Horton did. More than importantly, it's what Jesus did for us on the cross. So how can you put others' needs ahead of your own this week? Maybe it means wearing a mask when you'd rather not. Maybe it means 
slapping your hand over your mouth when someone says, you know, I just really want to get back to work and you're scared of getting sick. How can you put others' needs ahead of your own this week? Most importantly, have you laid claim to the faithfulness of Jesus? Have you you made the faithfulness of Jesus that he expressed to you on the cross your own? I hope so. I hope you've decided to follow Jesus. If you never have, if you're watching this today and you're ready to take that step to say, God has been faithful to me even when I was unfaithful to him and and I I want him to have my life. Maybe you can just type, I want to be faithful to Jesus in the chat. Maybe you can email info at chapelrock.org and say, I need to take the next step with Jesus. I don't know what that looks like. I want help. And one of our pastors will be in touch with you this week. You know, maybe you want to be baptized. We, I know we have to do social distancing and follow sanitation uh, routines, but we can still do that here. We can make that happen. Uh, we're trying to coordinate one uh, this coming week, actually. So I don't know what your need is. I'm going to ask you to, to be in prayer about that and think about that. Um, thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's say our benediction together this morning. We bring our brokenness to Jesus because a change to wholeness is the story we share. You go share that with someone this week, and we'll see you soon. God bless. Bye-bye.